This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm Min Dariwal. And welcome back to The Loop. Well, well, well. Hi, Min. Hi, Claire. Good to see you. <laughs> it's been a minute. It has been. Nice to be back staring deep into your eyeball. This is neat. No, we're back doing The Loop after it's been a little bit of a break. Yeah. Um, so thank you for bearing with us. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we've also got a ton of really great uh, episodes planned for the next few weeks, and, mm-hmm. and we're going to keep going. So things have just changed a little bit. That's yeah. all good. Just got to roll with the punches. Exactly. Um, we are coming back hot today with uh, a really big topic yeah. that's hitting the city downtown. Mm-hmm. It's become the center of a lot of conversations about safety, uh, about supports, about emptiness. Right. There was a recent poll. It was published by Post Media. It showed there's a lot of hesitation about returning to downtown Edmonton. Mm-hmm. More than half of the respondents said that the state of downtown has declined in the last year. And part of that has to do with the concentration of people experiencing homelessness or mental health challenges on our city streets. I mean, you and I are, are part of this delegation of folks who come back downtown. Right. Apparently 70% actually of office workers are back in the core. Which, yeah, it's busy. 100%. And I mean, as we've been sitting down here staring at the glass every day, there are definitely more people living rough as well. In October, Homeward Trust reported that nearly 3,000 people are experiencing homelessness on Edmonton city streets, which yeah. is a lot. And I believe it. And uh, yeah. I, I know, you, you know, you mentioned that you and I and many of our colleagues are back downtown. But mm-hmm. I think I know during the pandemic when, uh, you know, 70 percent of people who work downtown were not here. Yeah. It was just the the few people that did were that were working downtown, mm-hmm. and a lot of people that were absolutely living rough, like like yeah. I've never seen it before. I mean, I've worked downtown for over twenty years now yeah. in this location, and I've never seen it this bad. Well, and when there's not as many people, I think too, that's yeah. when you can really notice it. It, it, it's, it jumps out at you, right? I mean, yeah. especially like the train. It was basically homeless people or people living yeah. rough, and folks that uh, had to come in on the odd occasion. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it didn't feel safe. And even walking in the pedways, I saw a lot of people sleeping there, a lot of people doing drugs there. I mean, the smell was, it just cuts it through the you. air. It yeah, hits you, it really right? Strikes the, the stale you. smell of urine. I mean, that, that's where people are living and, mm-hmm. and everything. So uh, it, it definitely is going on. I know I've seen a lot of uh, people that I, I know on social media, whether it be on Facebook, experiencing it for the first time and yeah. being absolutely shocked. Like, it caught but this, a lot of people off guard. It, it did. But this problem, I think, ramped up during the pandemic. And part of it was a lot of these people who were living rough felt, mm-hmm. hey, well, everybody's abandoned us, so I can yeah. do whatever I want. This is, like, they basically said, this is mine now. I'm going to do what I do, uh, you know, out on the street in these pedways, yeah. and no one's going to stop me. And there, and you know what? For the most part, there was no one there to stop them. Yeah. So I, I totally understand it. And um, where else are these folks going to go? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Where, where are they going to go? So for me, I've seen a lot of these folks. Occasionally, I get to talk to them, whether it be at a light, someone asking you for some money, or just kind of you, mm-hmm. you, you're walking in and someone will say hi. Uh, but uh, you, you don't really hear from them in detail. Yeah. And uh, I, I absolutely got a chance to do that uh, last week. And uh, I mean, it stuck with me. You really want to share that experience with us, which is why today um, we're going to visit one of the streets. Yeah, a number of those streets. And uh, last Thursday morning, I met a Boyle Street outreach worker. His name is Doug Cook. And uh, we agreed to meet at an empty lot around 99th Street, 108th Avenue. Just to give you an idea, it's just a little north of downtown, north of the brick. And just about a block and a half east of uh, Victoria School of the Arts, right? Right. And uh, we just started walking. 
we just started walking south from there, and we went behind the alley of the uh, Lucky 97 grocery store. We, we kind of stayed predominantly off the, the beaten path, like mm-hmm. in the back alleys and through parks and things like that. It, basically, what I would do is uh, just kind of follow Doug's lead, yeah. and uh, he would stop and, and talk to people. You know, I was right there beside him. And, yeah, and, and these are real conversations, so we should let people absolutely. know. There is some strong language. There's also some stuff that's really tough to hear. So. Yeah, some some tough topics uh, being talked about in this episode for sure. And Doug, essentially, he works with people who are homeless, and he carries around a knapsack, uh, has all sorts of supplies, everything from sanitation uh, you know, products to granola bars to bottles of water in the backpack. And he, he essentially works as a buffer between the businesses in Chinatown and the folks who live on the street. And uh, these are some of the people we ran into. Good morning, ladies. How are you? Good morning. I'm Doug from Boyle Street. How are things today? You guys need some uh, water, granola bars, things like that? Yeah? Any harm reduction supplies? Yeah, okay. Lighters, no, unfortunately, I don't. I mean, in your experience, is yeah, there's a, I'm sure there's a long list of reasons why many of these folks are out here, but it seems as though drugs is, is definitely a big part of it. Well, or that I maybe like, becomes it. I, I like to think that often the drugs are or something that comes on after the fact. And unfortunately, it's a way of coping for a lot of street folks. It's uh, when they have nothing else, drugs are something that will numb the pain, you know, help you forget for a little while. So it's, uh, it's something that's available everywhere. And it's, uh, it's something that's does the trick, I guess, for them. Uh, shorts? No, those ones are really difficult to get a hold of right now. But, uh... How old are you, Opal? Uh, 37. Uh, I don't know, that's the thing. I don't remember. You don't remember? No, really, I don't. I have amnesia. Where are you from? Uh, not North America. That lived in most of my life. Yeah. Did you grow up in Edmonton at all? Or? Yeah, I grew up in Edmonton. Okay. Yeah, I went to elementary school here in 91, so I'm about 37. Okay. So how how long have you been, are, like, are you, do you live on the street now, or? Uh, well, I don't want to say I live, well, I don't die on the street, but I don't live here either. I'm not staying here. I don't want to, so, but I'm on the streets, yeah. Um, I've been on the street for about three years. What is that like? It's rough. Like, I've seen so many people, like, come and go. Like, but then there's, like, this few steadfast people. Like, you know, like, honestly, like, people might act tough, but if you're a piece of shit out here, you're not going to survive. <laughs> yeah. How? Yeah, I've, I mean, we've been just walking, and I've seen, we've run into a few people. Like, how how have you survived for three years? Or I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. That's what I mean. I didn't want to do an interview. I don't have anything more to say. Thank you. Hey, smoke. I've got uh, a cigarette for you. Marlboro. <laughs> Over the last few years, there's certainly been a visible increase in women being outside as well, which is really sad because I think the uh, the resources for women are like are very 
in short supplies so you know houses or uh, even shelter space for folks for for women so i mean those two i would say mid 30s late 30s they looked like at one point they were living normal lives almost definitely yeah yeah and then for whatever reason you know um be it broken relationships or loss of jobs kind of probably losing family supports as well and family and friends supports forces them to be out on the streets don't i'm sorry uh those are something though that i really should try to carry around for Those are good. All right. You want to put those in your bag? Good. Just uh, give me a second, Miss. Do you need any alcohol wipes yourself? No. You're good. You All right. You don't have emery boards, eh? No. That's a that's a new one for me. No. Thank you. So, that, I mean, that conversation or that uh, piece of tape basically uh, involved uh, these two women, yeah. one lady by the name of Opal, and maybe mid-30s, late 30s. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, while Doug and I were walking away to the next uh, spot or just kind of along our walk, I, I, I just said to him, I said, you know, like I bet those women, I would have seen them in a restaurant or mm-hmm. walking through the mall five 10 years ago, yeah. because even the way they were they were dressed, like their clothing was at, at some point that it was it was nice clothing, uh, nice boots, but um, clearly addiction and and being on the streets, like you know, firmly has a grip on their lives right now. It, it was sad. Yeah. It was sad to see that. Absolutely, no, yeah. I can imagine it'd be hard, and also just I, I think these are spaces that a lot of us don't take these walks through back alleys and no. stop and actually speak to people. And hear about it. I mean, you can't approach them. No, like, because well, you they don't know you. Yeah, you wouldn't. And yeah. uh, the only reason I I was being allowed to do that is because I was with Doug. And Doug, I mean, yeah. he's done this for seven, eight years. He has a certain amount of trust built up with these folks. And so, because I was with him, and he was introducing me, and they were like, "Okay, well, if Doug's vouching for you, then you must be okay." And so, after we finished talking to those uh, two women, we kept going. About two blocks away was the this big, huge encampment. And um, and we were just kind of standing across the street, and and you can't can't help but look at. I was in that spot uh, actually this time last year, a little later into the winter. Mm-hmm. It was maybe maybe a fifth of the size. So we're at Ninety uh, Sixth Street, One Hundred Six Avenue. Just I mean, really, just a couple of blocks outside of downtown. I'm looking across the street here at these couple of empty lots. There might be twenty, thirty tents. There are. Um, this is uh, an area that's been constantly occupied all summer long. Uh, about two and a half weeks ago, this whole camp was was cleaned up by the city. Um, they were informed, all the campers were informed that the cleanup was going to happen on a particular day. So folks had to pretty well pack up everything and move off site while the city came through and cleaned up the garbage and whatnot that was left behind. Um, and as was pretty predictable, uh, folks just moved in right at the end of the day and uh, sort of re- set up again. And we are here today with what it is. So, and I mean, Doug, you're out every day, and so for people who drive by, they pr- probably see these tents. But what 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 are we talking about in here? I mean, it must be people 
that run the spectrum on why they're out here or what their situation is or how they ended up here? Of course, uh, you know, over COVID, we saw a lot of people losing jobs. And if, if that was, if they were already on the, 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 the breaking point of uh, making it on a day-to-day, even with, uh, with minimum income and new, now losing that job, they're often very quickly forced out onto the streets and uh, unfortunately for for Edmonton we're we're getting there but uh, there's certainly such a short supply of affordable housing for folks as well as sort of income that might be able to uh, support a family or an individual for a longer longer period of time so and you know of course coming out of a hospital coming out of jail prison um, without supports to assist someone to get a good place to live and a supportive place they're they're quickly left to their own devices and this is where they end up on the streets I'm Doug Doyle. hi Hello. how are you this is my friend Min he's, he's a reporter from CBC and he's trying to just get um, you know folks that are living outside sort of feelings and thoughts and ideas going into the the winter and are you open to yeah to chatting all right all right Min. Awesome. this is Raylene Raylene and sorry who are you share share this spot I've been here for a little over a month almost two months um, but I've lost my apartment uh, three months ago so I started coach surfing just staying with friends when I didn't have it anymore and um, I wasn't evicted I wasn't told to leave I just uh, was in the process of being evicted the the process was started for eviction and at that time my mental health wasn't stable enough for me to to battle against tenants like to, against my landlord or to to even fight for my home because of where I lived was south of Southgate and in Edmonton that's south of the river and where we are right now is the hood so it took me over an hour every day just to get to the places where I need to get to have programs and services to get help in terms of basic needs of like food shelter and clothing so in order to keep my home my shelter I had to come to this area to meet with my worker or other areas and I think in that 14 months that I was with my worker, I mean, it started out with one worker of mine who I still talk with and I'm still pretty close with. Uh, she came to check on me yesterday and I wasn't well enough to come out because I was too cold. But um, I think like since I've been here, I really was, wasn't sure what I was going to do because not only um, did I walk away from my home, but I walked away from battling, and it's something that I not usually ever do because where I was raised in Lloydminster with my mom as a single parent, my dad and my brothers were on the reserve north of Lloyd in Onion Lake. So, I mean, for me, I've never been in this situation, and this is the second time I've had to tent in Edmonton since I've been back in this community. And I came back for some healing because... Part of my trauma, some of my trauma has happened here in Edmonton with respect to a friend of mine that his life was taken and uh, there's been a lot that has gone on for me in Edmonton and I think coming back here, honestly I came on a cruise with my driver from Saskatoon um, and basically to be honest I was coming for a drug run but I got really angry and said to hell with this, let me out because I was prepared to 
trunk some people that were with us and, and I just thought, you know, Raylene, grow up a little bit and just get out of the situation. And, um, and it sounds like you did if you had your own apartment and you are living. I did, yeah, and I did really well. I mean, I think, uh, I think out of the whole program, I was probably one of the most successful ones to go through it. And I didn't even really do that well, according to my own standards, because I'm still in a position where I am too shameful to go home the way that I am. And it breaks my heart because I have a granddaughter that's being born this week and I can't financially get there. But I know that if my brothers knew that I wanted to come home, that they would come get me because my daughter is an absolute beautiful young lady with her third child coming on the way and um, my uh, other daughter is working in Whistler now she lives in a loft and I thank God that I was you know smart enough to stay sober when they were babies long enough to teach them you know about culture and language and tradition and respecting themselves as young women because out here it is absolutely challenging on the daily to be out here because I'm not only dealing with you know just general racism from the non-indigenous community but the indigenous community itself is starting to turn on each other and that is heartbreaking because we're supposed to be supporting each other and helping each other get to a better place and yet at the same time it's um it's not that way it's uh it's challenging and not only that but life-threatening on the daily so being out here is hard but I mean, I would rather be out here in my own little spot than being in a shelter where I'm belittled or treated like, uh, like I'm less than or not educated enough because God damn it, I am. And I know that at one time I used to design and develop and access multi-million dollar funded projects for all levels of government, the private sector and rich ass mofos. So, I mean, I've done a lot in my life, but where I'm at right now, I'm not the proudest or the um, the most easiest person to get along with, but I mean, I try my best to uh, help others. And, and the program you're talking about is which one? The Homeward Trust program, okay. where it's like uh, housing first. Well, you know what? House us first then, and then be gentle with us to understand the fact that you are dealing with people, not statistics, not numbers not people who stand there and ask for your fucking change i am a person that is educated and i am smart as f and i deserve to be in a home i deserve it and i am gonna get it back and there's no way in hell anyone will take my paper bag princess goddamn place away from me again because it is mine and i deserve it and i am respectable enough to people that i don't even know or people i don't even like for the sake of business or for the sake of jumping through those mother effing hoops the bureaucratic bullshit that has to go through in order for the money to funnel through from ottawa to get to the goddamn grassroots is too goddamn long and for people who are not even prepared or even understand the fact of having financial dollars where is this money going because it is not reaching us not at all i mean a bus ticket here and there thanks a granola bar right on a bottle of water thank you however treating me like a human like I am more than just a statistic and more than um, a brown girl I am a woman and I am fierce and I want things to get better for everyone out here because it is heartbreaking and no one in our 
godforsaken country that is supposed to be one of the greatest countries in the world. Well, you know what? In one of the most wealthy provinces, we are struggling to the point where people don't even have shoes for Pete's sakes, let alone a goddamn home. Yeah. Yeah. 20, 30 tents in the middle of a city where people say we're the city of champions, man. We're the city of people who just, if they could just put their pride or their, their richness or whatever it is aside and see that we are not just homeless people. We are people. And we have hearts and we have children that we want to go back to, that I want to go back to because... Do you need me? This morning? Is there anything else you're looking for? <laughs> a decent winter jacket or anything like that? Okay, I'll keep my eyes open and I'll drop one off to you. All right. Yeah. You feel good? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I gotta wake up and smell the sweet grass and get get myself together and stop thinking that I'm okay because I'm not. <laughs> you know, when people say I'm fine, fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional? Yep, I am. Yeah, that uh, it, uh, that conversation just stuck with me for... Yeah. Like that was Thursday, Friday through the weekend. And, and then, you know, early this week I was listening to it again. And it, I don't think you ever forget those kind of really, or, uh, those kind of conversations and encounters with people like Raylene. And I really got the sense from her while I was talking to her. I mean, we couldn't play the entire tape, but, um, you know, she, she wasn't emotional throughout it. Like there was points where she obviously broke down. Uh, but, you know, she, she had her own place. But, but, you know, for whatever reason, things didn't work out. And yeah. so here she is back on the street. You know, you heard her. She has two daughters. She's she has grandkids. Yeah. Uh, she you know was expecting to meet a you know hear about a new grandkid last week. I think what also strikes me is just the pressure that she feels and that she experiences as someone trying to get out of that situation. Yeah. And how hard that is when you are someone who are, is dealing with all of these layers of different stressors and and pressures mm-hmm. and challenges like addiction. That's massive. Yeah. But it's it's up to her in a lot of ways to be reaching out or connecting or finding these supports. That she needs and, and I got this sense from her that she is kind of trying to you know she said there's a lot of young kids there too like there's yeah. teenagers that she saw she had a teenage girl in her tent that she was helping the night before that all of a sudden the next morning when they when they woke up she she wasn't there yeah so she's she's almost like uh she's almost there also looking over other younger kids who this may be the first time for them yeah. that they're going through this. That so. community care is key, right? And yeah. it's that's why people will often see those encampments growing larger and larger because people are reaching out to each other who yeah. are in the similar position. They are. And I think, too, it, it's important to recognize that um, winter has started now. Mm, yeah. It's getting cold. It's This week we had our first snow. Caring for all Edmontonians is really yeah. important, especially in extreme weather conditions. Mm-hmm. And even in the last couple of weeks, so w- when you went out, it was fall and it was still pretty nice, but it was. things have shifted. Yeah. I, I mean, even then it was overnight, it was dipping into the yeah. low minus, you know, low minus temperatures. And so, uh, you know, we talked about how do you keep warm and, you know, the Doug also explained that when it does get colder, like some of these folks use propane or they sm- start small fires, which yeah. can sometimes be fatal, uh, especially when it gets really cold. Like, I mean, that, you know, think about minus three compared to minus 30. Yeah. But some people act, are living on the streets in our city during that uh, 
temperature during those temperatures. And um, I did end up talking up talking right after I finished with Raylene. I spoke to a woman named Sheila, and uh, she uh, was in a tent maybe about uh, 10 feet away from uh, Raylene's. It sounds like she's been living on the streets for a number of years. Very happy. Very happy to hear you got onto your income support. What are you you're, What are you doing for tomorrow? Um, I do my IU. Okay. If you could come pick them up, if you can, if yeah. you're not busy. Nah. <laughs> I'll check my morning, okay? <laughs> and if it's not good. tomorrow, then next week, though, okay? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, so, Sheila, let, let me ask you about, uh, do you mind if I ask you how old you are? I'm 49. And how long have you been out here? Uh, two years. So, describe what that two years, where did you come from? Or, like, have you grown up in Edmonton or outside of Edmonton? Or? Outside of Edmonton, I'm from Northwest Territory. So. And uh, to live out here is, like, you know, it's like being a family, you know, around here. And it's, it is cold, yes. And I live with my, my street mom to take care of her because she, her legs got amputated, right? So I took care of her for the year. And she's on the streets again, and you know, and she's, Stays by the, by the, uh, the herb, I guess, in the Jeez. tent. Yeah. yeah. What, what is it like? How would you describe what it's like living in a tent uh, outside like this? Well, outside like this, you get used to it, actually. You know, and then you know, some people don't want to have a home, and because they're used to living like this, and I, I understand where they're coming from and stuff. But, you know, it does get cold, and you get worried about yourself and the people surrounding you, you know. Like, oh, God. You have no idea how much. How much love is around this place, you know. I kind of, I, I got a sense of it. I mean, when you came out of your tent, you asked somebody who was in another tent if they're okay. Like, mm -hmm. people are checking in on each other. Yeah, they do that all the time, yeah. Like, you know, and I love people around here. They're, they're, good, they're good people, you know. I have nothing no wrong to say about nobody. Is it safe out here for you? Yeah, I'm all right, but sometimes I get worried, yeah. And of course, I get, I get scared when I'm by myself. But I have guys, you know, friends and family watch me all the time, so, yeah, it's all good. It's all, it's all right. But, you know, it's, it's cold. It gets cold, you know. Yeah, how do you, how do you deal with the cold? Because, I mean, we're, you know, we're in the end of October. I, I, I think it's bonus time that there's no snow on the ground, but have you been out here when it's cold and it's snowy? Oh, yes, I yeah. Um... Well, last year with my mom, like how we kept warm was, um, like, you know, well, everybody needs sanitizer, hand sanitizer, not to drink. <laughs> hand sanitizers and, you know, and wood and, of course, candle wax and whatever, like, you know, whatever keeps you warm is all good. That's yeah. our body heat, whatever, right? But I'm by myself, my daughter is with me. And it's all good, you know. I, I, I don't mind it. I do get cold, but I can't complain, right? Everybody does the same. What What's inside there? Like all your personal belongings, a bunch of blankets? Like is that kind of what you have to do is get underneath a bunch of blankets to stay warm? Well, actually, um, yeah, that too is be good to have. Yeah. And like a lot of people need a lot of blankets, right? Yeah. And, and there's, uh, like, you know, like I said, hand sanitizer, wood and whatever. Like you know, have a little pot we can stay warm with. Keeps your tent warm and stuff. So good, yeah. Body heat is the best. <laughs> bet. And how about like the folks like Doug and and I don't know who this gentleman is who drove up, but uh, he looks like he's got some food in the back of uh, the vehicle. Like, mm -hmm. what do you, what do you think of the, the folks that do that kind of work? 
that's a lot of help. That's a really tough help, you know, because, you know, when you get cold, you get hungry. That's what's the warmth right there, you know. People like him, it's a blessing. There you go. You got a nice warm plate of food. <laughs> it's a blessing for people to eat, you know, because it keeps you warm, especially at night. Like on Sundays, this woman came over and brought us some moose stew and some bannock. Oh, yeah. Really, uh, like, you know, things like that. Like, you know, she, she watches over people like us, like, you know, well, people on the streets and stuff. But, you know, they keep us warm. They, they're a blessing they come, you know. They keep us warm. They uh, give us clothes and stuff. But I don't know. But it's all good. Hey, you know what? Try it one day. You'll find out. <laughs> Stay out here? <laughs> yeah. One day. Try one day. Oh, my God. You probably feel so twisty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you eat your food. Sweet. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay? Yeah. Take care. Okay? Hi, hi. Take yeah. care of yourself. Thanks, Sheila. We'll see you again soon. Okay? Yeah. All right. Thank you, Doug. Wow. <sighs> kind of heading back towards yeah. the cars. Yeah, I think that's... Okay with that, yeah, or? it's getting close to 11 here. I'm, Is it? Yeah, I haven't even looked. <laughs> I'll uh, have to... The day whips puts, by. I, I bet. And how, how many hours do you usually spend outside? Uh, uh, you know, we go, I go from uh, some seven and a half hours a day. Really? Yeah. yeah. And really, you might, I'm, I'm guessing no two days are the same. Not at all. <laughs> well, no two people are generally the same from one day to the next. Um, however, relationships are being built over the over my my time out here on the streets. And when people see me, they they come up to me and ask for what they require, and I offer what I can. And you know, you, you have a you certainly have a rapport out here with with folks, right? Like a a certain uh, trust has been built up. This is a great community, and uh, I, I I love what I'm doing, and it's it's so rewarding for me to really make these connections and really friendships. Sheila is someone I actually have known for actually closer to seven to eight years. Um, I know more recently she's been outside and she was successfully housed for a good number of years. Um, But uh, we also find that you cycle through homelessness probably about five or six times before you're actually successful and yeah the 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 you know one hit wonders so to speak are probably very rare very rare yeah very rare so you get off the street you get into some housing you're back on the street you get back in it's kind of a bit of a cycle it's a cycle um we really find that if you've been outside and living rough as a lot of these folks have been for you know more than a year Unfortunately, the skills of taking care of yourself and running your own household diminish and disappear. And those are challenges that, again, extra support is required to actually make that person be successful in their in their housing arrangements. So, and so, you know, that was Doug just kind of taking us out there. And uh, so Doug does this uh, every day. Like he he's basically there. 
you know, to, to approach people and just say, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. More than anything, just to be some interaction. Just and a connection. A connection, yeah. yeah. A friendly face. Yeah. Right? Eventually, hopefully, like his goal is to try and help that person get off the street, to get under a roof of their own, to maybe get off the drugs and yeah. to kind of to get cleaned up. And so I mean, now we are into the colder weather. And I think if you are working downtown or on, on your travels, wherever it may be, whether you catch a bus or parking or whatever, yeah. and you see someone in distress, I mean, you can call 211. Right. And, um, you know, that, that'll get you through to a crisis diversion, non-emergency support, and uh, it'll help with things like shelter, intoxication, mental yeah. health. And uh, when it gets really cold, I think those calls can be the difference between life and death. You don't have to be like Doug necessarily, but like yeah. just being an active member of the community. For sure. And, and I think it, a lot of times, you know, we see someone who's homeless and they're coming at us and we're thinking they're just going to ask for money or whatever. They might just want to talk, mm. right? They just might be lonely. And they just might want to see a friendly face and just kind of, you know, feel what it felt like to be maybe normal at one time. And I think, you know, if we just kind of lower our guard sometimes a little bit, you know, like I, I don't think I'll forget that conversation with Raylene or yeah. even just some of the images I saw where these folks were just kind of sitting or just, uh, you know, sitting on the ground. Uh, a couple of people that I talked to, I mean, we couldn't use the tape. They were just uh they were either high on drugs or that intoxicated. And it was just a it was a, it was just a it was a tough thing to see. Uh, you know, I appreciate Doug taking me and mm -hmm. trusting me and hopefully just us being able to share these, the experience these people are going through will yeah. have an impact on some others. Well, and, and there's so many levels of impact in the city too. So there's, yeah. you know, the folks like Doug and the different communities, there's many social agencies in the city who have people out on the ground reaching out. Yeah. You know, there is the people handing a toonie over so someone can buy a hot coffee. For sure. You know, yeah. um, but there are also bigger scale things happening in the city to support some of these vulnerable folks. Yeah. Um, there are new supportive housing projects completed in the last year, some of which are still waiting on funding from different levels of government. But mm -hmm. that's hopefully another step towards getting people in somewhere where they can just focus and, and you know, get back to where they need to be. Yeah. Um, but this week, too, there's a big announcement for downtown Boyle Street Community Services, which is, of course, who Doug works with. Yeah. Um, they're working on a new hub funded entirely by community. Mm-hmm. This week, they actually reached, it was 75% of the fundraising goal for Ogamal P.A. Sugamik or King Thunderbird Center, right? Um, which is going to be a huge upgrade from their current building, not far from where you were walking, yeah. you know, um, and Two I blocks. think the executive director, Jordan Reiniger, he's described their current place as crumbling. So you think about providing yeah. the supports that are needed in a space that is not working, mm -hmm. right? Um, so all of this is a really big step forward to offering people supports and services they need where they're at, whether that be yeah. in an encampment or whether that be in supportive housing. Yeah. And I know there the community around where that new building is going to go up, there is obviously some apprehension and uh, they want a lot of things uh, answered as far as how it's going to be. But I think, you know, the design of that building will, the way it's going to be designed is, will be different than the current location yeah. where I know people are camped out nearby or camped out on the front street. Yeah. But um, I think having a new building will uh, be a game changer for these folks and uh, will, will hopefully make a difference for a lot of people who are not too far from where that center is going to be living in tents. I mean, there's no really easy solution to what's happening, but uh, no. I do think that it is really heartening to see the community support. Yeah. Um, and also just this willingness to create change and, and connect with people uh, who need support. The Loop is a podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team this week is Min Dariwal, Leslie Goldstone, Sam Brooks, Olivia O. Oh. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonham. 
And I'm Mindariwal, and we want to thank you for listening and being back with us on The Loop. And of course, The Loop is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis communities. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that a couple of different ways. You can certainly email us at theloop at cbc.ca. You can reach us on Twitter. Yep. I'm at Mindariwal. I'm at Naminab. And you can leave us a rating or review wherever you download the show. And you can find us on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back, baby. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.